Patriots has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 12th of September. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. How are you today? I'm fine. It's a beautiful early fall day in north central Nebraska. You know how I know it's fall? Uh, s- it wasn't 104 degrees. That's right. That's that's a, <laughs> that's a big part of it. Um, saw my first couple of geese heading south. Uh, there are a couple of leaves on the trees that are beginning to turn, and the Huskers are on a two-game losing streak. That's how I know it's Ah, uh, Okay. Well, the Dolphins won here. The U of M won here. All run their football games. And your geese will soon be here in Florida, and we call them the visitors. Now, do you, do you get the Canadian geese down there? Back to you in the spring. Okay. Well, I didn't know where they went. I know they just head south, so I, yeah. I didn't know where they wound up. But Yeah, no, a lot of them end up in Florida, a lot of the geese, and um, we call them the visitors. Okay. Right? <laughs> you know, we get, we get geese and ducks and uh, swans. We get swans that come through here. Um, okay. You know, all, all the migratory birds come down through here. So. And they all end up here. <laughs> not all but you know uh, a good portion of them yeah uh yes. folks we got a lot of stuff to cover tonight diane you're covering misguided loyalty a road to disaster yes and some people were heralding me and others were not so nice well, i'm sure you know but i mean you and i are both used to that i mean you can't please all of the people all of the time no I'm covering, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm covering racist cars and other pinheaded ideas. Never knew cars were racist before, but they sure seem to be now, don't they? We're going to have a little fun with that Mm -hmm. tonight. But let's start with quick hitters because we got a lot to talk about. We'll start with Joe Biden's horrible, awful performance uh, over in Vietnam. Uh, he was over there for the big summit, and every time he was on the stage in front of the press, in front of the public, 
it was one disaster after the next. Yeah, and it started with his uh, good morning Vietnam comment. Can you, um, first of all, he, he, when he made that comment, when he opened up his, uh, I don't know what it was, a little press conference thing or a little, you know, thing, you know, do, you, do you all remember that song? Well, it wasn't a song, it was a movie. Right. Okay. Uh, there was no good morning Vietnam song. But if you're in Vietnam, I'm thinking bringing up the movie Good Morning Vietnam, probably not the best opening line. Well, here it is. He's supposed to be trying to um, bridge the gap, supposedly, with Vietnam. They're no longer an enemy. And here it is. He brings up Good Morning Vietnam. I mean... (sighs) Even his script writers, he can't even stay on his prepared script. I mean, look, it's an older movie, but I'm sure most people know about it. It was the the story of Adrian Cronauer is portrayed by Robin Williams. Adrian Mm -hmm. Cronauer was a DJ. Um, He was in Vietnam. Uh, You know, he was he was doing DJ work there for the radio. And uh, it was kind of a, a. biography of adrian cronauer but it did not paint vietnam in the best light no of course not it was an anti-war movie yeah i mean you know so it starts with that and then every time he was in front of cameras talking about anything he was making absolutely zero sense at one point (laughs) he was talking about i think it was supposed to be the 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 Vietnamese president, and he starts in with, well, he's not speaking to get today. Well, maybe he's speaking today. I don't think he's speaking. Today. I don't think he's going to be here. Maybe he'll be here. Well, I'll just I'll just leave it there. He says, what? You know, well, what's really well? It's not surprising. It's kind of par for the course. But the mainstream media, and here I'm talking, you know, CNN, ABC, NBC, they were all painting it as such a wonderful trip uh, because they said, for example, Biden said, we have an opportunity to strengthen alliances around the world to maintain stability. That is what this trip is about. Well, I don't remember hearing those words said in that way. No, no. I mean, you you go back and you watch all the, the YouTube clips of him over there. You don't hear that. He wasn't no. anywhere near that articulate. But the, but the mainstream media is reporting it as those were his words. In other words, they picked up what was scripted for him, right. but not what he said. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there are so many times, Diane, that, that he would open his mouth to talk and just nonsense would come out. Or it was so poorly articulated, you couldn't understand him. Yeah, he looked like he was ready to drop off at times, you know, like conk out again. Well, um, and, and he, they had him drugged up. It was obviously they had him on something to keep him semi-awake. Yeah, but it wasn't working because at one point he broke into that that creepy whisper thing again yes. and i've always said whenever he does that you know the drugs have worn off mm-hmm. you know the meds Absolutely. have the meds have worn off at one point he was up there talking and giving a, a little uh thing you know presser thing uh with the media and he he literally said and this was early in the day 
I mean, it wasn't wasn't like it was at ten or eleven o'clock at night. He said, "Well, I, I I'm going to stop right there. I I need to go to bed." Yeah, I mean, is that what this this is the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. I'm too tired for this. I need my teddy and my sleep. <laughs> I, know. I, I mean, <laughs> well, and then then when he was given his final press conference up there, and, and this this is always a huge mistake, allowing Joe Biden to take questions from the media, right? Oh yeah. And he's up there talking. He's not making any sense. He goes into that John Wayne. Uh, dog face pony soldier routine again, you know, talking about that, that John Wayne movie, you know, and dog face pony soldiers, lying dog face pony soldiers. The problem is nobody can find that movie. It doesn't exist. John Wayne never said that in a movie. It, well, yes, he did in Biden's warped dementia ridden mind. <laughs> well, well there it. you go. You know, then. He's you know, somebody, some member of the press asks him a question and he's rambling and meandering around. Can't formulate an answer. You can't understand him. It got so bad that Biden's own staff literally came on the, the mic off stage and ended the press conference in the middle of Biden's sentence. He was still yeah. blathering and this woman's voice comes on and says well that will be all for today and and he just put down the microphone wandered off but the mainstream media does not report on any of that that's the problem you only hear it from the media on the right side but you don't hear it from the democrat controlled bought and paid for media now you would think once he got back into the United States where he had time to take several naps and eat, eat some ice cream and have some pudding that, that maybe he would have regained at least some sense about himself, but no, no today he puts out a tweet on X, right? Mm -hmm. Thanking the Vietnamese president and showing several pictures of the Vietnamese president and him shaking hands with the Vietnamese president. Problem was, it wasn't the Vietnamese president in those photos. Ah, who was it? I didn't see all the photos. It, it was uh, a chairman of something, a Vietnamese chairman of something. Um. It was a whole, whole different guy. And, and the the blowback was so immediate they had to take the uh, the X down because well it's embarrassing you go over there and you meet with the president and you come back and whatever you put out there on social media thanking the president and showing all these pictures isn't even the president of Vietnam right right. Uh, it, it really irked me also when he described himself as being part of the Vietnam generation. Actually, he didn't serve in Vietnam ever. He was given five draft deferments and was exempted from military service because supposedly he had asthma 
as a teenager. Right. Right. I mean, wait, 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 wait. The guy, let me, let me just get this straight. The guy had asthma as a teenager so bad that he couldn't go to Vietnam. And yet he was a lifeguard as a teenager at a primarily black swimming pool where he took on corn pop in the parking lot. Well, this is Biden describing himself. I didn't say it was true. <laughs> I just said that at the press conference, he actually described himself as part of the Vietnam generation. And that was after he had said, we can trace a 50-year arc of progress between our nations from conflict to normalization to this new elevated status. Really? Huh? And then he goes on and says he was part of the Vietnam generation. There's a little, you know, discrepancy there of how old he is when the Vietnam War was, and he took no part in it. I, I, you know, obviously he's old enough to remember the Vietnam War, but then again, he can't remember what day it is. So, yeah, I mean, you know, where do you go from there? Um, yeah, but don't say you were, you know, part of that generation. Oh, you know, and then we find out he had five deferments. That's that's pretty bad. I'm surprised he didn't get up there and say that he almost lost his wife, his cat, and his Corvette in the Mekong <laughs> Delta. No, he <laughs> saved that special thing for Hawaii. Oh, well, I mean, that was. it's Joe Biden. I mean, those stories can move around, you know? Right. Um, well, and then today he got more bad news because uh, Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced uh, earlier today, about noon or so, that he's officially opening an impeachment inquiry. Yes. It, it's very interesting. Um, I wish they could impeach him, and I mean fully impeach him, but that's never going to happen. No, because it won't go through the Senate. I wrote about it uh, in a piece in The National Patriot last week. Um, mm -hmm. What, what I believe is going to happen, you know, uh, it's what I hope is going to happen. I don't know that it's going to happen. But um, I expect this inquiry to be slow-walked. And, and I imagine a lot of interviews and a lot of this evidence is going to be made public uh, in, in various different ways. I think they're going to try and impeach him in the court of public opinion because they know it'll go nowhere in the Senate. Yeah. No, that's, that's very, very possible. But today I was reading an interesting commentary um, on town hall and the commentator was um derek hunter okay he's he's uh commentates a lot on town hall and he said there's something very you know strange that nobody has considered and he talked about what you said in the beginning of the commentary about possible you know why they're doing it, why they're doing it now. He even admitted it's not going to reach the Senate, whatever. But he brought up a very interesting point. Yeah, what's that? Everybody on our side, you know, Joe Biden shouldn't run. They're going to run this one, that one. We can't you have Biden. But he brought up an interesting thing revolving the timeline. 
And what that was, he said, our people, the Republicans, except for Ron DeSantis, all of the Republicans are focused on Biden. They are not taking into possibility that there could be somebody else. DeSantis is, he's focusing on Biden, but he knows what he's running on is his successes in Florida that he wants to bring across to the whole country. Everybody else is focused on Biden, 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 Biden. They're forgetting if it's not Biden, they might not have enough time to focus on who the nominee is. This was just one man's opinion, and I found it, you know, kind of fascinating because he was concerned about timelines. Right. And and in that piece I wrote a week ago, I I lay out a timeline and the reasoning behind it. Uh, What I believe, anyway, is the reasoning behind it. It's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously we're going to track it, but let's get to something else here in the quick hitters in the uh, time we have left in this segment, and that's the vice presidential sweepstakes on the GOP side. Um, Trump has said uh, several times that he feels that everybody that's on the debate stage is just uh, auditioning uh, for the yeah. vice presidential side. Yeah, fuming. Yeah. Well, you know, I I can and I can understand why he would say that because I think most people on that stage really have no shot at ever getting the nomination. I you don't know, believe so, that. Yeah. You know, well, I, I'm saying most. I'm not saying all. Okay. I'm saying I'm saying most. I mean, let's let's face it. Asa Hutchinson. Not going to get no. the nomination. Chris Christie, not going to get the nomination. No. Uh, no. Doug Burgum, not going to get the nomination. You know, uh, I don't think Vivek Ramaswamy has a chance of getting the nomination. No. You know, so, you know, you, you take that for what it's worth. But there are some people on that stage that I think are legitimate contenders, uh, quite possibly for a VP slot. So, Diana, I'm going to throw out some names. Uh, We're going to start with people that are on the stage. You tell me what you think these individuals bring to the party if they were to get the VP nod. And let's take take the, the nominee out of it. So let's say anybody could be the nominee. Okay. Okay. All right. And I want to say before I answer your question, I'd like to, before we go into our other segments, say something about 9-11 after we do this. Yeah, right. Okay. okay. So, All right. Uh, Nikki, think- Nikki Haley. What does Nikki Haley bring to the table as a possible VP contender? She has the best foreign policy experience of anyone because she was UN ambassador to UN ambassador to the UN. She kept them in the their place, including the ambassadors from the Muslim Islamic countries. Especially they were them. scared of her. She is top notch on foreign policy. Well, and she was also a governor, so she right. has state leadership experience. So right. that's kind of what she brings to the table. How about Tim Scott? Tim Scott is a great conservative uh, senator. 
I like Tim Scott a lot. I think he'd make a great vice president, uh, not for Trump necessarily, but a great vice president. And he brings in something, whether people like this or not. He is a black man, a conservative black man. And that can help bring in the black vote. I'm not talking about the the cheating element who vote two and three times. I'm talking about the, you know, the good uh, black Americans who work, raise their families, you know, want everything that we want. I think he, he's the epitome of that. I think he brings that to the table. Um, but he's kind of an outside chance because he has made a few slips on the, on the campaign trail. He, he has, and, and let me just say this about Tim Scott. I like him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I, 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 like, I like Tim Scott a lot. Uh, I hate to lose him in the Senate. Yes. You know, he brings, he brings a lot to the table. Um, he's kind of the everyman. You know, I mean, if you look at his background, his upbringing, uh, coming from poverty and and you know, rising above all of it, uh, getting an education, um, making something of himself, becoming a U.S. senator, uh, where he is honestly very highly regarded. Yes. Um, not by the Congressional Black Caucus. They don't like him, but, no. you know. Um, no. But he brings a lot to the table. Um, I like him, yeah. Now, is there anybody else on the on that debate stage, let's keep it on the debate stage for right now. Do okay. you see anybody else on the debate stage that has the chops to be the vice president? Okay. The only one that I would even consider, but it would never happen, and I'm glad it would never happen, would, of course, be Ron DeSantis. If Trump hadn't acted like Trump, and had just, you know, okay, he's in the race, acted like a human being about it instead of a child throwing a temper tantrum, I think a Trump DeSantis ticket would have been unstoppable. I, I tend to agree with you. Now, let me let me throw out a name to you, Diane, that's not on the debate stage, but is gaining national attention. Okay. Governor Christy Nome from South Dakota, what do you think she could bring to the table in a vice presidential slot? Okay. I personally like Christy Nome. I've liked her from the very beginning. I think she'd make a great vice president. She's conservative. She stands very strongly for Second Amendment. I think she's great. However, there's one downside in my mind and I have someone that could counter that downside it's not her per se it's her state her state has three electoral college votes right uh oh did I lose you Diane oh there you are wait a minute electoral votes as possible yeah okay so you and I both have a dark horse possibility against her yeah yeah, I mean, uh, it the could. other one I'm thinking. Now, now, wait, wait. You and I both have a dark horse possibility. Yes. Okay, somebody outside the box, not yes. on the debate stage. Who is your dark horse possibility and why? 
Okay. My dark horse possibility is um, Elise Stefanik from New York, the Republican, very outspoken conservative Republican in the House of Representatives from New York. The reason I think whoever the nominee finally becomes should consider her is we all know New York is a blue state. However, in 2022, um, I, I forget his name right now offhand, but he almost got the governorship. Lee, uh, Lee Zeldin. Zeldin. New York is in such bad shape right now. I think they would be open to a switch with the right person. And Elise Stefanik is making a big name for herself, plus the fact that New York brings a tremendous amount of electoral college votes. And that is the thing that has me thinking whoever would lean more that way than for Christy Nome. That's the only reason having to do with the electoral college. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. Um, I'm not sure New York as a state could be flipped. But it, it would make sense if you're if you're going to take a shot at getting New York, you got to have somebody like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's your dark horse uh, off the off the debate stage, outside the box. My dark horse for VP would be Tulsi Gabbard, and I'll tell you what I think she brings to the table. Okay, uh, she's a former Democrat now and independent. Uh, mm-hmm. she thinks for herself, uh, she's mm-hmm. very sharp. She's very smart. I think she would bring the independent vote with her, regardless of who the nominee is. I think she could really cement the independent vote. I don't think any Republican nominee is going to win without bringing in the independent vote. And I I'll agree. tell you, I'll tell you what else she brings to the table. She's former military yes and to me that's very important that the, that a president vice president have military experience i have been a fan of tulsi gabbard way back when she was in the house she was still a democrat but she was starting you saw in her that she was pulling away i've even written articles in her defense when people knocked her when she became an independent instead of a republican i think she's great but again her state is hawaii three votes i know and and that's the juxtaposition three Mm -hmm. votes in the electoral college versus the independent vote right you know but all of these people that are in the sweepstakes whether they're on the stage or off the stage or the dark horses that both you and i just talked about I think all of them bring a certain element to the VP slot that's important. So Maybe if we can get one with an amalgam of all those characteristics. Yeah, good luck. But that's the VP sweepstakes as it stands now. Okay. Yesterday was 9-11. Yes. And, you know, just... uh, You know, the, the memories come back like it almost transpired yesterday, not you know, 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 9-11 um, meant a lot to me for a number of reasons. I won't go into that. But uh, first of all, Biden 
was an absolute insult to the roughly 3,000 Americans that died. He didn't even have the decency to be at any of the venues. Number two, I feel the same way about President Trump. He did not attend any of the memorials. I give him credit. He did put out a very nice um, statement on Truth Social and on X. Uh, he made a couple of mistakes there, talking about how beautiful um, the field in Pennsylvania is. That's not something you really say about a death site. Um, he did not attend any of the main venues. The only one that was there who was invited to be there by 9-11 families was Ron DeSantis. He got off the campaign trail, went there. His wife was there. They took part with the, the families, and he did not go into the um, VP area. He stayed with the families that invited him. Right. And I applaud him for, for going and being there in that uh, well, capacity. Well, there's more reasons for that. It was 9-11 that when it happened, Ron DeSantis, that was his, let's say, pivotal moment. I'm going into the military because this is wrong. We have to stand up for our country. Remember, President Trump got five draft deferments as well. Joe Biden never served in anything either. Ron DeSantis took that as his life-changing moment to defend his country. Right. He right. didn't do photo ops at 9-11 at the site. He didn't do any of that. What he did was stay with the families grieve with the families, and they heralded him for his service. And I think that is something we need in a president, military service. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll just say this, and then we'll wrap up this segment. I'll say this about Donald Trump not going. If he would have gone to any of those locations, okay, if he'd have gone to the Pentagon, if he'd have gone to... Uh, ground Zero, if he'd have gone to Shanksville, it would have become uh, a uh, media circus. How and about if he had said what Ron DeSantis said? I'm not here for that. I'm it, here. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter because the media would make a circus he out of it. He should still have done protesters, it. He should not have. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Protesters would have shown up. It, it would have become a debacle. Um, How about if he didn't make a big deal and he didn't tell anyone beforehand and he just showed up? Kind of hard to do that in his Putting a, a statement that wasn't the greatest statement. It was okay, but it wasn't the greatest. I agree. I'm sorry. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it would have been a debacle. I, I didn't mean it to become an argument or a debate. I'm just saying it would have become a media circus. And I don't think that's what 9-11 should be. Well, um that's my we opinion. Differ, we differ on but his. Um, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I don't. I, we're we're almost two minutes overtime here. I just wanted to say it would have become a media circus, and I don't think that's what 9/11 should be. Um, is a media circus. And I think, as a former president, okay. he should have been somewhere. He was somewhere. Everybody's somewhere. 
Um, okay, we're hit. We hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got, we're past the bottom of the hour. That means we're late for the break. But on the other side of the break, Diane, you've got misguided loyalty, a road to disaster. Folks, I've had a preview. You're going to want to pay attention to this. And I mean really pay attention to it (laughs) because there's a lot of information in there. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after that. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. Getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button. This show and all the others will be there waiting for you. All right. So, Diane, you uh, went in-depth and you looked at a lot of the stuff that's been going on surrounding swirling. I'll say swirling around this campaign. And you put together an op-ed under the title of Misguided Loyalty, A Road to Disaster. Yes, so let me start by saying the Republican Party, and here I include conservatives as well, is unfortunately split in two. Those who support Donald J. Trump and those who wish another candidate to secure the Republican nomination for president. I personally fall into that latter category. For that and that Alone, I have been called on Facebook, and I quote, a lying, false, accusing, anti-American, and every other corrupt piece of filth trying 
to destroy this nation. Take your lies straight to hellfire and damnation for eternity with you and do every American a favor and do it today, end quote. And while I have held back that anger for some time now, like the proverbial teapot, there comes a time when one must let off steam, and that time is now. But no, my anger is not just directed at those who blindly follow political rhetoric devoid of substance, facts, and truth, but also at those nasty sorts who relish in perverting the intent and meaning of the Constitution for political expediency alone. These are the sorts who not only love to twist what it means to be an American patriot, but do so solely to give credence and viability to their personal political agendas with a healthy dose of ideological brainwashing thrown in for good measure. You know the sorts, those who relish in judging others while at the same time spewing out defaming and inflammatory musings against all who dare to politically disagree with them. And I think being called, quote, anti-American moronic filth by a fellow Republican meets just that criteria. And so here I direct my anger towards the so-called only Trump folks, one of which is said name caller against me. Those who will not even entertain the idea of another candidate possibly being a better candidate than their lord and savior, Donald J. Trump. And this is coupled with those who will write in Trump's name if he does not get the nomination, not caring that in doing so they will directly hand the election to the Democrats, no matter who the final candidate might or might not be. And not to be forgotten is that the only Trump folks who, like Donald Trump, relish in spewing lies about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis don't believe me? Just go on Facebook and other social media sites as their lies are unabashedly there for all to see. Now, here I must freely admit that Governor Ron DeSantis is my choice for the Republican nomination for president, and I've never hidden that fact, nor that I have nor have I ever backed down from my statement that if Donald Trump gets the Republican nomination, that I, of course, will support and vote for him. And I have also been vocal in the fact that while I do support Governor DeSantis over Trump in the primaries, I continue to stand united with Trump against the Democrat-initiated witch hunt being perpetrated against him. But, Craig, is this enough for the only Trump folks? Simply no, it is not. As I'm told time and time again, that by my not supporting Trump now means I am being disloyal to him and to my country you know I, it's pretty interesting um and e you and i have both you know been attacked you more so than i mm -hmm. uh you know from that standpoint uh personally uh i think the word filth in this guy's comments to you that might be a little over the top um when, when you look at these only trump folks okay one thing is is pretty clear. They're not really paying attention to anything you say when no. it comes to the general election should Trump get the nomination. No. And that can be seen, you know, these people are very clueless and they're totally inane. You know, these only Trump folks, you know, because time and time again I have heralded 
both Trump's economic and foreign policy achievements. But again, that's not good enough for this bunch either. Simply, I believe tangible realities and the rule of law that is the Constitution must always trump Trump. And the last time I checked the Constitution, we the people were still free to support, to campaign, and then vote for whomever we personally feel is the best candidate to be president, whether it be in said primaries or the general election itself. And while the only Trump loyalists scream that loyalty to Trump is paramount above all else, in today's heated political discourse, they take that to mean we must all faithfully worship at what I call the altar of Trump. And how wrong these only Trump sorts are. For loyalty to one man is not what our founders and framers ever intended. For devout loyalty to one person reeks of the forced loyalty usually demanded by one who thinks themselves to be a dictator or to be a king or is demanding by by those who really want a theocracy. Men are fallible. No man, no woman is perfect. And to claim that what has become for some a devout sense of loyalty to Trump, loyalty which will not even allow for the entertaining of anyone or anything other than that which spews from Trump's mouth, loyalty now takes on a whole new meaning as it has all the hallmarks of a true cult following. Our country was never designed for power to be held by single individuals alone, nor for misplaced loyalty, but was designed for the collective of those who, while their opinions might vary, remain as a united front derived from the three simple words, we the people. It's the collective of we that gives our country its strength, as does our freedom to make choices. Not everyone thinks the same, nor must they, for it's our allowed differences that makes us, both as Americans and as a nation, unique. Simply, marching in force lockstep with voices that drown out all others will never serve our country well, no matter one's political affiliation. So while the only Trump folks' words speak to the contrary, I and others who support other candidates besides Donald Trump remain true American patriots for instilled within us is a sense of pride in American ideals, values, and exceptionalism, coupled with not only a sense of honor and respect for our founders and framers, but for the Constitution as the true law of our land. And know that within the heart of we true American patients, uh, patriots also lies a love of country so great that we understand that it's a sense of commonality that must override our differences and that only unity itself against a common enemy helps to bring our nation's diverse population together. And Craig, this is something the only Trump folks don't get as their misplaced sense of loyalty to one man tends to get in their way. It's getting in their way in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's like you said, it's evident on social media. All you got to do is scroll down through the feed and you'll see it. You know, loyalty is a good thing when one is loyal to their country. Right. It's a terrible thing when that loyalty is 
laser focused on just one individual and these only Trumpers, uh, as you call them, as I call them too, um, they're, they're not looking at the big picture. They're, no. they're looking with narrow blinders on at just one person. Right. And, you know, it's this misplaced sense of loyalty that has now taken over their side of the general political discourse. For the man who demands not just loyalty to him, but also an ongoing social media regurgitation of his each and every word, sees these Trump loyalists also attacking Trump's nomination opponents, not via their achievement record or lack thereof, which come election time truly is fair game, but always seems to center around either the physical appearance of his opponents or courtesy of accusations of their being politically and personally disloyal to Trump. Remember, Trump's little Marco name calling in 2016, well, that has now continued in this election cycle with his focus still being on derogatory name calling, with the perfect example being that the only Trump folks continue to call Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Trump's chief rival, to sanctimonious, the very name Trump pinned on DeSantis simply for his daring to run against him. But I guess the only Trumpers don't care that in their continued use of said name calling, that they are now being deemed by many to be but the recipients of a common core education. So let me spell it out for them, letter by letter and phonetically correct. No matter what Trump says, Ron DeSantis spells his name D-E-S-A-N-T-I-S, not D E S. A-N-C-T-I-M-O-N-I-O-U-S, the way a childish Donald Trump likes to both spell it and say it. If Trump wants to look like a silly child in the throes of a temper tantrum, let him. But I truly hope that those who deem themselves to be only Trump folks will wake up and get off their bended knee long enough to understand that the presidency is not now, nor has it ever been, about loyalty to one man. Again, loyalty to these United States must rise above the, it's all about loyal to me, St. Donald Trump initiated nonsense for such nonsense has no place in these most dangerous of times and besides silly name calling does nothing but take credibility away from the name callers discourse and reeks of a craving for not only attention itself but for their being the all-consuming center of said attention from which all others must revolve around and whether these only trump folks want to admit it or not Donald Trump's ego and inability to know when to keep his mouth shut has become ground zero from which, Craig, today's dirty political discourse within the now fractured Republican Party originates from. You know, you can't fix the problems we have now in the future if you keep looking backwards. Exactly. And that's what these only Trump folks seem to be doing. They're they're focused backwards. They're not looking ahead to what the possibilities of the future are and what's best for the future. They're looking backwards. Yes. 
You know, and while we know the truth about the nefarious witch hunt currently in play and that we must unite and stand strong in supporting President Trump in this battle, as well as we know that the 2020 election did have all the earmarks of being stolen, that idea, that does not give these diehard Trump supporters or the man himself the right to question anyone's patriotism by masking loyalty to him disloyalty just because we would rather see someone else besides donald j trump being the 2024 republican presidential nominee donald trump could have been one of the best presidents ever but his ego and quest for devout loyalty helped to not only fracture the republican party itself but turn many of the rank and file party faithful against him and his thinking that polls running in his favor now will be the same a year from now was foolish indeed for one only has to look back at the 2008 election Remember when Hillary Clinton was beating newcomer Barack Hussein Obama for the Democratic nomination for president right up until the very end, but lost to said newcomer because she took polls as proof positive of her being the victor and became lackadaisical in her campaigning. Remember polls and poll takers by their very nature do tend to manipulate actual numbers as they also tend to favor the person, the poll or taker themselves favors. And the small sampling of folks actually taking any said poll does not allow for numbers to be skewed, I, I should say does allow for numbers to be skewed upwards to sound way bigger than they actually are. And besides, it's just in the nature of polls in general to, in the end, be wrong. So now that I've let off pent-up steam, I end with this, and I direct it to the only Trump loyalists, like the man who called me anti-American filth. And here I say that if by chance Trump does not get the nomination and you still refuse to vote for whomever the Republican nominee is and instead write Trump's name in, as many of you have claimed you will do, then we can kiss the America we also claim to love goodbye, as the Democrats will most certainly remain in power. And liberty's death will lie not only at your only Trump feet, but at Trump's feet as well, for his putting loyalty to him before loyalty to what will now become our lost American republic. Cat got your tongue only, Trumpers? And with that, I say, case closed. And let me add, I I was just going to say, at the bottom of your op-ed, folks, what you can find at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, you've got something down there at the bottom of this op-ed that people really need to see. If they click the image, it'll enlarge. Yes, this is, I screen captured it. This is the actual comment by the man who posted it, what he said about me only because I support Ron DeSantis in the primaries and I would prefer him to be the presidential nominee. This is directly from Facebook. It's got the the markings, the like, the replies, whatever. There is no denying it. He cannot deny it. I have it captured in many places, including photographed. 
this is how low some, I'm not saying all, but this is how low some of the only Trump loyalists will go. This is the thing that is fracturing the Republican Party right now. Well, we and- all need to stand with whomever the Republican nominee is in the end. And also, Trump needs to shut his lying mouth and silly name calling. Because no matter what the polls say, if you go online and you, you look at other things besides the polls, he's losing ground, folks. People are tired of the divisiveness. We need to start uniting, not fracturing ourselves more and more. Because if we keep up with this, Biden or whomever will win. And we and our country will be the biggest losers. You know, Lincoln said a house divided cannot stand. Now, mm-hmm. it's it's okay, uh, as you point out in the op-ed, it's okay leading into the primaries to support whoever you think individually is going to be the best, Mm -hmm. you know, and vote for that person, whoever you think it is. But when it comes to the general election, a nominee will have been chosen. If we can't unite behind the nominee, I don't care who it is. Right. There's no way to win. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. And again, this guy's comment is so obtuse. You know, uh, the the one that you have the image of mm-hmm. at the bottom of the op-ed. I still think adding the word filth in there was over the top. I, well, I, I challenge him on the word filth. Well, also, you know, damning me to hell and he hope I go to hellfire now, the sooner the better. You'll see the whole comment here, folks. This man has gone totally over the top. But what surprises me, I blocked and bl- banned him after I picked this up because he was saying really vulgar things about me all over the place. So I blocked and banned him so he could never, ever again see anything I post. I can unblock him, but he can only see what I do if I unblock him. What bothers me more than anything is this is what Trump has turned these people into with his self-centeredness that everything has to revolve around him. He was a damn good president economically. I I have always said that. On the foreign policy side with the Abraham Accords, that was wonderful, recognizing Jerusalem as the president, of, uh, as the capital of Israel. I have written articles how great he was on that. However, he is not the greatest president ever like this man uh, in the discourse was talking about. He made campaign promises, the prime run of which I do not blame him for not completing the wall. It had to do with funding when we did not hold the house. You cannot blame him for that. I do blame him for his campaign promise to hold Hillary accountable, to hold Obama accountable, to do this, this, and this to the others, to drain the Uh, the swamp. Under his presidency, the swamp actually got bigger. Hillary is still walking free. Obama is now serving his third term in office by pulling Biden's strings. I mean, those promises, which could have set our country right, and I don't mean to the right side, I mean right in the sense of the Constitution as the rule of law, were not fulfilled. And if Trump gets the nomination, 
and we all even if we all vote for him, you know he's not going to win because they'll do all their little magic with their machines again. And not only will we lose in 2024, where he will be, you know, just loaded down with indictments and court cases and this and that, and nothing will get done for the country, we'll lose in 2028 as well. Yeah, and that's part of looking down the road, looking forward instead of looking backwards. You know, you've got to look at this election, this 2024 election, as what makes the most sense moving past 2024, moving to 2028, 2032. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't just look at it as a one-off and and say, well, you know, uh, know, we got to seek revenge. I mean, Trump's on the revenge tour right now. Right. You know, and that's that's plain, uh, you know, to see. I don't... I don't necessarily blame him for being as no. angry as he is, but for God's sakes, you know, we got to, we got to move forward. We got to look to the future and we got to look for what's best for this country in the future. It's not about right. any one candidate. It's about the no. country as a whole. That's not how our founders and framers wanted us to be. It was not ever about loyalty to one man. Remember they left the theocracy They left kings, they left dictators, they started a new nation. We're all at ground zero. No one is above another. We elect our representatives. We're not electing a dictator to rule over us. And I'm not saying that Trump was a dictator by any means. But that's how the only Trumpers view him. He's the top of the pinnacle and no one can reach up there. He did great things, but he also did very bad things, listening to Fauci, for one. Right. I mean, and I go into that in it's not a follow up to this next week, but it it kind of works with it. There are certain things that Trump should have done that he didn't do because he was too busy you know, how wonderful he was in this and that. He needs to tone down his ego a bit. You think? I I think. (laughs) And he needs to stop on, I know it's his side, Truth Social, but every day he attacks not only Ron DeSantis, but every other candidate. He has yet to come out with what he wants to do for our country in 2024. We've heard nothing about education. We've heard nothing about this whole wokeism from him. We've heard nothing about what his foreign policy is going to be, what his economic policy is going to be. It's attack, 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 attack. And yet if he gets the nomination, I'll have to vote for him. He's turned a lot of people off, as has his only Trumpers, no matter what those polls say. And it could, if if something isn't changed, could come back to bite him if he is the nominee. I, I'll just say this. You know, our founders and framers fought the Revolutionary War to get away from a system where the leader of the country demanded loyalty to himself. Right, exactly. 
I'll just I'll just leave that right there. I'll just leave that sit there. Folks, you can find Diane's op-ed, and that's why I said you got to pay attention to this, and you're going to want a copy of it because you're going to start seeing more and more of what she's talking about here. Misguided Loyalty, A Road to Disaster. You can find it at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com and at rspradio1.com. Either way, grab the link and share it everywhere. With that, we've hit the top of the hour, which means we need to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to have a little fun. Racist cars and other pinheaded ideas. Stay with mm-hmm. us. There's more to come on Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through the Tuesday night show, and if you miss any part of it, Go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and have at it. Mm-hmm. All right, so I was looking for something to do a commentary on about a week ago, and something caught my eye, and I I saw a headline, and I thought, what? wait, what? And I had to read through this thing, and I thought, "What? are you kidding me? And so I went to... YouTube and I found some videos and I thought, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. This deserves the business, the treatment, if you will. Racist cars and other pinheaded ideas. Did you know that owning a car makes you a racist? It does, at least according to Pete Buttigieg. And where did Pete get that little bit of information? 
He got it from a gaggle of 24 leading experts on transportation equity. The next question, and rightly so, would be just what in the hell is transportation equity? Well, apparently, that's the liberal notion that owning a car of your own means that you are the recipient of white privilege, and thus, owning your own car is a clear and unmitigated example of systemic racism. So, owning cars must be banned to, you know protect the environment. Andrea Marpillo, I can't even pronounce her name. Marpillero. Hey, what, what's that last name? Chlamydia? Uh, col- what? Colomina. Colomina, Chlamydia, it's all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> She's a member of the Advisory Committee on Transportation Equity, and she says all cars are bad. And she's called for zero emissions transit, whatever that is. Veronica Davis, whoever the hell she is, also claims that cars are the problem and divide communities because, according to her, vehicles are a status symbol that only privileged white people own. But, Diane, what about black people that own cars or Asian people that own cars or anyone else that might look a shade or two darker than transparently racist white people that own cars. Are they also racist? Well, in these people's minds, anything and everything is racist because, you know, their skin color is what matters to them. It's the first thing they think of in the morning, the last thing they think of at night. They forget, you know, who they are inside the person that they are, and everything revolves around colors. And I can imagine what they say of black, about black and white cars. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Yes. This Davis woman, whoever the hell she is, says cars are the problem. But I thought where the environment was concerned, it was our stoves or our air conditioners or ceiling fans, maybe our water heaters and toasters that were the problem. And what about farting cows? Weren't farting cows the problem a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. Have we solved that problem? Are cows no longer breaking wind? Sure, Pete and Joe are trying to convince people to buy electric cars instead of gas-powered cars, but that doesn't seem to be working out very well. In fact, just recently, Ford announced that Even after they reduced the price of their electric Ford Lightnings, they still lost $1 billion in the last quarter alone on their EV lineup. People don't want electric vehicles, cars, or anything. You know, and there's several really good reasons for it. First, they're ungodly expensive to buy and insanely expensive to maintain. As when the battery dies, it can cost tens of thousands of dollars just to get a new battery. Then there's the problem with the range of the damn things. You can get about half as far on a charge as you can get on a tank full of racist gasoline. And how about the charging stations? It's more than inconvenient to charge an electric car, as stations are still too few and far between. And when you do get to one, if you get to one, how long does it take to charge your car? 20 minutes? A couple of hours? 
And let's just say that you make it to a charging point. Do the chargers even work or have they been vandalized? And by the way, you do know where the power for those few working EV charging stations comes from, don't you? That's right, fossil fuel power plants. That means the electric vehicles Pete and Joe are demanding that you buy, even though you can't afford to buy one unless you suffer from some extreme case of white privilege, you're actually using fossil fuel to power the vehicles, which serve only as virtue-signaling liberal lies. Because of that, isn't promoting electric vehicles like Pete and Joe are doing racist also? And Diane, according to equity pinheads, the suburbs are racist. Roads leading to and from the suburbs are racist. And bridges are racist between the suburbs and urban areas. Those are racist because only abject racists live in the suburbs and drive to work in the urban areas. Racist suburbs, roads, and bridges are killing the environment. Well, you know, it's very funny. The people that call everybody else racist are the biggest racists themselves. That's just a fact. It also reeks of jealousy and the old adage, we want what you have, but we don't want to work for it. You owe it to us. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, if the race, if the suburbs are so racist and the roads to and from them and the bridges between the suburbs and the urban areas, if all of that is racist, what about watching TV? Right. Okay. On TV, during any commercial break, just count how many off-white people are shown living in the suburbs. According to TV commercials, nearly all families in the suburbs are either black families or mixed-race families. Equity reigns supreme in the suburbs, according to commercials. Are all those off-white people on the TV commercial suburbs also racist? Obviously, The idea being planted by TV commercials is that the suburbs aren't just for middle-class members of the KKK anymore. Anyone can live in the burbs. That's true. Anyone with a good job and a desire to get away from the noise, the rat race, and violence that has become pervasive in the inner city can buy a house with a racist air conditioner, a racist water heater, a racist toaster, ceiling fan, stove, and a racist car. They can move to the suburbs and then drive their racist car on the racist roads over the racist bridges to their racist jobs in the city. But that can't possibly be the way it really is, as we've been told as much by liberals for years. You see, off-white people can't possibly drive their racist cars on racist roads and across racist bridges, destroying the environment as they go back and forth to their racist jobs because minorities can't get a driver's license. <laughs> if they had a driver's license, there wouldn't be any problem with voter ID laws, right? And isn't that why we've or what we've been told for years? that voter ID laws are systemically racist because minorities can't get a photo ID like a driver's license? I saw a commercial on TV just the other day, Diane, where it featured a black couple driving an $80,000 car. And as I've been told by liberals for years, 
those people don't have a driver's license. Now, I'm sure they would have been pulled over for some infraction by now, at which point the cops would have been accused of profiling, regardless of the fact that the car was being driven 100 miles an hour through a school zone on the way to the store. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? Uh, absolutely the way it is. But again, this is all being done for political expediency alone. America was coming out of its former racist KKK, you know, uh, nature. And brought it all back in. And now the liberals have picked up on that and they brought it to new levels. It's not racism anymore in, in the classic sense. It's out and out abject stupidity on the parts of some people. I thought we solved racism a couple of years ago. How can we possibly mm-hmm. have racist cars, water heaters, stoves, toasters, ceiling fans, and racist cars after we supposedly solved the nation's systemic racism problem by firing Aunt Jemima, Mrs. Butterworth, <laughs> Uncle Ben, and the Indian maiden on the package of Land Lakes Butter? Several big cities defunded their police. They put criminals back on the streets, they went soft on crime, and they allow anyone who wants to steal things to steal as much as they want. All of that to end systemic racism. Obviously, none of the things that I've mentioned in this commentary are actually racist, as they're inanimate objects. People can be racist, But it's a learned condition. Nobody is born racist, and clearly the underwhelming vast minority of racist people in this country are outnumbered by the overwhelming vast majority of people that are not racist. That Mm -hmm. said, racists can and do present themselves in a variety of skin colors. It's a learned condition, not solely regulated to white people. So... Why are the virtue-signaling liberal equity pinheads trying so hard to convince you that everything from your toaster to your traverse is systemically racist? Now, to answer that question, we have to go back to the origins of our nation. Tom Jefferson was the first true American patriot to move to the suburbs. He couldn't concentrate on writing the Declaration amid the hustle and bustle of urban Philly, so he moved to the outskirts for some peace and quiet. From there, he would commute back and forth every day to float ideas for the declaration to others with a vested interest, and while nobody back in his day owned a car because, well, they hadn't been invented yet, he did ride his farting horse down the road and across the bridge back and forth for business. Getting a good job, making some money, starting a family, getting out of the city uh, into a more quiet, less unsafe area, buying a home and having a couple of cars, it's called striving for and earning a better life. With it comes driving to work, driving the kids to sports practice and events, turning on the AC when it gets hot, making toast when you want it cooking a meal, and taking a hot shower. It means neighborhood get-togethers, kids playing in the yard, maybe a dog, maybe a boat, and family vacations. 
It's the American dream. Cars, stoves, toasters, water heaters, roads, and bridges aren't racist. Those inanimate objects are part of the American dream, and the virtue-signaling liberal equity pinheads hate the American dream. They don't want anybody to do better. They don't want anybody to increase their standard of living. They want everybody equally poor, equally miserable, and equally reliant on the government. Diane, the American dream and having a car is freedom. And the virtue signaling liberal equity pinheads do not want you to experience freedom. Well, it also goes a little bit beyond simple freedom, according to... you know, to Thomas Jefferson and how he envisioned the Declaration, it all comes down to really one simple word, Craig, and that word is independence. You own a car, you are free and independent to do what you want to do. That's right. I mean, the declaration Tom wrote in the suburbs of Philly is all about independence. The independence to live our lives the way we want to live them without government tyranny and interference. And while that is the American way, it's not the liberal way. Have you ever noticed that it's always the liberal pinheads who declare such things as it takes a village to raise a child, which has morphed into the fundamental transformation of America? It's always the liberal pinheads who proclaim that other people, specifically the government, is better suited to raise your kids than you are? Well, why is that? It's because they know they can't affect the fundamental transformation of America simply by calling cars and appliances racist. They know that most people know better. That's why they, the liberal pinheads, are now socially re-engineering your children through government-run indoctrination centers. That's why they now insist on transitioning the gender of kids as young as kindergarten, and that's why they're so intent on tearing down each and every aspect of normal American life and ideals. That's the village raising the children rather than the parents. They must confuse kids early. They must make them hate what it means to be an American, divest them of any desire for independence and freedom, and indoctrinate them into believing that America is and always has been repulsive. That's a big part of the fundamental transformation of America. You may well not believe that your car is racist, but trust me, unless your kids are attending private school or they're being homeschooled, the village will see to it that after being in their clutches for up to eight hours a day, your kids will believe that your car is racist. And if that's the case, so too are you. A generation or two of that nonsense will fundamentally transform America. It's funny until it really, you know, reality really sets in. If you've always been of the mindset that it can never happen here, think again, because it is happening here. It's not a fad. It's not a passing phase. It's as real as it gets. And do not tell me that the only way out of this is through prayer. Really? 
Some of you seem to think that the answer to all of this is to beg God to fix all your problems, just the way liberal pinheads beg the government to fix all of their problems. Get off your damn knees and take action, unless you want to lose this nation forever. Throw the liberal pinheads out, vote them out, and keep them out. If you cherish your freedom, stand ready to do whatever it takes and teach your kids what freedom is and what independence means. Only a fool would tell you that your car is racist, and only a bigger fool would believe it. That is 100% true. There, If you believe this stuff that the left is spewing out there, and it goes from the indoctrination of kids, it goes into the transgender play-acting games, it goes to banning this and banning that. If you believe it and you buy into it, you really are as stupid as the people putting it out there for their own political expediency. You're sharp as a doorknob. If you believe yeah. that crap, you know, exactly. I mean, what, how, how <laughs> I, I want to say depraved, but that's not the word I'm looking for. How desperate are you when as a political party, you now put out there that owning a car is racist? Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't matter. You know, how many black people, brown people own cars, just as many of them own cars as white people. I mean, this whole thing, they are deliberately and with malice trying to destroy this country. And certain people are so scared of a vocal minority and the actions that they take that they're willing to buy into this nonsense. I know, it's insane. Let it me, is let, insane. Let me just speak to black America for a moment, okay? If you're black or some off-white shade, not, not necessarily black, and you own your own car, according to the liberal pinheads, and, and let's face it, the minority voting bloc has been voting for liberal pinheads for the better part of 60 years. True. Okay. So if you're off white and you own your own car, according to the very people that you've been voting for, you are a racist because mm-hmm. you own your own car. Mm-hmm. However, if you go out and steal a car, you're not a racist. Right. You're, you're a hero of some sort. How upside down and ass backwards is that? You know what it also is, Craig? And you said it without even really saying it. We are not a united American, um, America anymore. We are white America, black America, yellow America, brown America. They took away the hyphens, per se, in certain things you know, in specific ethnic groups, and they replaced it with two hyphens, in in a sense. Black America, white America, brown America. There's no more uniting here. It's deliberately fracturing of we the people. And it's all done to create not only a generation that's indoctrinated, but parents that are too weak 
to stand up to what they're pushing. Well, and that's that's why, you know, I, I specifically addressed off-white people, right? Uh, you know, a moment ago. It's up to you. You know, I mean, okay. look, if you think owning your car makes you a racist, okay. But if you don't think so, you need to stand up and say something. You know, you can't just right. be quiet and go, well, those people are idiots and I'm not going to pay any attention to them. No, stand up and say something. Stand up and do something. You know, owning a car is not racist. It's a way to get from point A to point B. Well, you know, you can almost equate it to this new COVID nonsense that they're starting to push and will be pushing more over the next couple of weeks about uh, the virus has morphed again and now you need another booster. You better listen to us and get another booster. You're going to have a whole bunch of people that are not thinking straight and they're going to run and do it. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we hear more and more and more negative stuff about the quote-unquote new boosters. But they're still going to do it, Craig, because the government says this is what's right for you. You can't have your toaster. You can't have your oven. You can't have this. You can't have that. But you have to have this, meaning the booster. Right. They are now dictating to people who are too weak to stand up. They are dictating to a good percentage of this population what they can have, what they can't have, what they cannot do, and what they must do. This is insanity. Not the American way. No. You know, I mean, you want to come and go as you please. You you want to go to the store when you want to go to the store. You want to go Mm -hmm. to the park when you want to go to the park. You want to go on vacation when you want to go on vacation. Try that if you don't have a car. Okay, but now here's here's where it gets really stupid. Okay, I mean, everything in the commentary, racist cars and other pinheaded ideas is pretty stupid, right? But mm-hmm. here's where it gets really stupid. If you own a car, you're a racist, unless you own an electric car. Then you're oh, not a racist. Then you're not. Then, have- I mean, what what the hell? This stuff makes no sense. You know, the idea... On a scientific end, the idea of an electric car is not a terrible idea. But the problem here with electric cars lies within the batteries, okay? The batteries only last for so long, and in some instances, it's more expensive to replace the battery than it is to buy a new car. Now, you got to think about the batteries themselves. The batteries themselves are lithium batteries, where is most of the world's lithium deposits located? It's not coming from Idaho. China. <laughs> China, folks. So here it is. They're pushing the electric cars that need the lithium for the lithium batteries, but they're not being produced here. We're getting the, the lithium from a country that's supposedly, you know, on the verge of becoming a serious enemy of this country. But that's okay. Well, that's not racist. Yeah, that's fine. And you know what else those lithium batteries contain is cobalt. Right. And where is cobalt coming from? Also not Idaho. Most of the cobalt in this country is coming from Africa, where it's mined by child slave labor. Exactly. But that's not racist, according to them. Nope, that's okay. 
That's, that's okay. That's all well and fine. And, and Diane, in in the couple of minutes we got left, since you brought up the battery issue, how are those electric cars doing after the big hurricane down there in Florida? Let's see. The few charging stations, you know, there aren't many across the country. Uh, they're not in operation. The people whose homes, you know, are without electricity, they can't charge their electric cars. But at least in Florida, we we haven't really fallen for the electric car things. There's not as many as in certain other areas of right. the country. But you in still fact, have you still have pockets of idiots, right? We and I was just going to get into that. Now I'm not calling them an idiot, but one of our neighbors has an electric Tesla. They paid a fortune for it. Power goes out, they can't charge their car. <laughs> They're ready to get rid of it because they're so frustrated with the thing. It doesn't charge in an hour, folks. You're talking 8 to 12 hours to charge a full car. They are not practical. So you're saving on the gas, but you're raising your electricity bill. So where is the sense in this stuff? You know, if you want to purchase your own quick charging station for something like a Tesla, Mm -hmm. you're, you're certainly free to do that. In this country, but it's going to cost you about $15,000 to have that put into your house. If you plug it into your regular 120 outlet, I've, I've got a, a guy that lives up the street from, he, from me in my little tiny town that has a Tesla. I asked him how long it takes to charge it if he just plugs it into the wall. Two days. Yeah. Two days. And you now, only get a limited mileage. What is it? I believe 200 and something miles, and then you need a full charge again. Yeah, and from what I understand, down there in Florida, a lot of these electric cars that got all wet in the big hurricane are now catching fire. The batteries oh, are yeah. gone. Oh, yeah, and their batteries are gone. They're all going to need new batteries. You know, what are these people going to do? But at least in the area where the hurricane hit, there aren't that many you know, right. uh, electric cars. But the ones, people who did lose them, they're like now rethinking, what did we do? Yeah, what were we thinking? You know, what were we thinking? Were we really buying into this nonsense? Electric cars are not a terrible idea, but we don't have the technology to do it right yet. They're not practical at this point. Not at this point in time. Racist cars and other pinheaded ideas can be found at thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place... You can grab the link, and I hope you share it everywhere. Diane, with that, you and I...